right, people. Welcome back on this great Friday. You're in tune again for episode six of the Boom Boom Room. This is Ron Slay, VFL, Vol Legend, Tennessee Legend. Put anything else you want to put on it right here in the Boom Boom Room. Boom Boom Room is brought to you by Full Service Insurance. Good friends, Johnny Pratt and Paul Pratt Jr. Those tunes are the good, the great Phil Collins that you're listening to. You ought to be able to feel it like I feel it. Especially coming off of UT Memphis game that was full, full of the rivalry and the nastiness that a rivalry is supposed to be filled with. Welcome to the Boom Boom Room, people. We got a couple of topics we're going to jump into today. Try to reach all the topics. You know, we only got an hour. Only got an hour of the Boom Boom Room. So once you see the lights come on, start heading to your cars, finish your drinks. Get on out, and we'll see you next Friday, every Friday from 5 to 6, right here on 9.50 a.m. W.A.K.M. Also, Radio.net, download that out, and you can click on 9.50 a.m. right here in Franklin, Tennessee. You can listen to it online, so it's no reason for you not to be involved or in the Boom Boom Room. You can also call, not today, call next week, episode 7, 615-794-1950. You can always call. But the topics we're going to dive into today, we got UT versus Memphis, the recap of the game. Going to touch on UT versus Samford. You know, that game was played on a beautiful Wednesday night right up there on Rocky Top. Also look ahead to Saturday's contest tomorrow at noon Eastern, 11 Central, UT versus Wake Forest, SEC-ACC battle. I'm going to look to give the Lady Vols a little love. I've been leaving my girls out, so I'm going to give the Lady Vols some love. Um, and then we're going to dive into the national landscape. of. I want to touch on the top five duos in college basketball. I think that is with the way Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield have been playing. I think they're relevant enough to be in this debate. Um, Vandy getting a big win without Darius Garland. Seeing how they rebound and seeing how Saban Lee has taken the charge and taking the bull by the home or should I say the anchor, taking an anchor and um, putting it down for Vanderbilt. Seven, my last 15 minutes, you know, that's that's usually what's, what's, what's tinkering up there in the boom, boom room, in the mind of the boom, boom room. And it'll be talking about LeBron talking to his son after his son's game, giving him some words of wisdom. And uh, I think it was a, a beautiful thing to see a father, you know, taking time out, um, you know, to give his give his son some nuances to like, some little nuggets. But let's dive right back into this. UT versus Memphis. Told y'all last week, gonna be nasty. It was gonna get a little and I thought it was going to happen early in the game. But came late. Came late to the point where Memphis had already given up 90-some points. Final score was 102-92. to Let's talk about these stats first. Then I'm going to dive into the penny charade that he had going on and calling Rick Barnes, low cl- his comments low class and things of that nature. Looked like a bunch of whining to me, Penny, especially in the rivalry. I don't know if you were trying to put gasoline on the fire, kerosene on the fire. I don't know what you were trying to do, but we're going to touch on that, and I'm going to tell you my thoughts about that. So the game ended one. 102-92, to 92, UT prevailed in the FedEx Forum at Memphis. Um, the field goal percentage, let's talk about that first. UT was 51.9%, so we can round that on up and say 52%. Memphis was 42.9, say 43. Not enough to get it done. Three-point percentage, UT didn't have a great shooting night. 37.5%. Uh, Memphis followed up with 34.5. Turnovers, UT committed a couple turnovers, and I, and we'll, we'll dive into that too a little later. You know, charges are counted as turnovers. So with the flopping that Penny said he's never 
never heard of. Never heard, heard of what flopping is. They sure did a lot of it. And some of it went their way early on in the game until the refs figure out, figured out exactly what they were doing. So UT finished with 18 turnovers, Memphis with 9. The rebounds, like the tell of the tape, UT finished on top with that. 42 rebounds to 34 for Memphis. Now this is the discrepancy here. UT shot 46 free throws. Memphis shot 22. So the physicality that we brought to the game, and we shot a good percentage. 39 for 46 from the line. Um, and Memphis, 16 for 22. But our aggressive style and the physicality that we brought to the game, I think, paid off for us. And we got to see that by going to the charity stripe. Now granted, towards the end of the game, they did a lot of fouling. Try to keep the game, um, to try to prolong the game. Oh, uh, that was that didn't work, so balls prevailed. Um, assists, 21. Memphis also had 21. Blocks, we led with 9 compared to Memphis's 2. Steals, Memphis had 10. We had 4. Memphis finished with 2 players in double figures. Davenport with a big game off the bench. In about 25 minutes, had 31 points and 11 rebounds. Their leading scorer, Tyler Harris, only finished with 10. 3 of 12 from the three or twelve from the field, 1 of 9 from 3. Um, kudos to Jordan Bone for locking him up. That is the, the, the second time he's come back to back and locked the guy up. He locked Perkins up for Gonzaga. Then also came in Locked Tyler Harris up a leading scorer and uh, the guy that kind of makes that team go. Lomax, Alex Lomax, who Bone supposedly got into it with and the Tech was uh, awarded to Lomax, he finished with seven points. Memphis had three guys with nine points, two guys with eight. So kind of balanced scoring besides Davenport having an outburst and I think, you know, even the trash can gets a stake. Or maybe even a turkey. Just depending what, what, part of, what part of the year you're in. Five guys finished with double figures for UT. Admiral Schofield led the team with 29 and 11. 11 rebounds, that is. Jordan Bone had 17 and 3 assists. Grant Williams, 19, 4 rebounds and 5 assists. Bowden off the bench again with 12 points, 5 rebounds and 6 assists. Bowden's becoming really reliable coming off that bench, especially with Lamonte Turner being out. I think we, we've looked for that spark and Bowden has been there to give it to us. Um, really impressed with the role that he's taken and accepting his role and being held and holding himself accountable, not sulking about being taken out of the starting lineup. Um, that, that, that's very mature of him. Kyle Alexander also had 10 points and 9 rebounds. So, as you see, the paint was well, well dominated. We got 29 from AD, 19 from Grant Williams, 10 from Kyle Alexander, all front court players. Now, let's talk about the rivalry being renewed a little bit. Now, this was this was supposed to be nasty. Supposed to be nasty. I think the Vols showed that they were a mature group, and they handled their business the way you should handle your business on the road, in a hostile environment, a sold-out environment, 18,500 on hand to watch this game at the FedEx Forum. Chris Paul was there sitting courtside. So the people came out for this. Going into the game, I said it would be a little chippy early. That wasn't the case. I think Penny knew that his team was going to be out man and the physical aspect that UT was going to bring to the game, especially being on this stage before playing against the likes of a Gonzaga who was number one at the team and we knocked off. I think he tried to take a, a different approach and he told his guys to flop. And for you guys or gals out there that are not basketball heads, flopping is when you're attempting to take a charge, but it's not really a charge. So a little contact is made and you're trying to bait the referee into calling a, a offensive foul on the on the uh, on the guy you're guarding even though it's not there. So a lot of acting is involved in this. To me, being a former basketball player, I looked at that looked at that as a sign of weakness. It's not smart. Okay, one time maybe okay. That's cool. But to do it over and over and over to, to different opponents, that that's kind of that's kind of silly to me. So it's one particular incident where Lomax, Lomax or Harris was guarding Jordan Bone. This is when Bone picked up his second foul. Bone was bringing the ball over half court, got to the three-point line, put on the Jets a little bit, and was getting ready to pull up at the elbow. His left forearm touched Lomax or Harris, whichever one it was from Memphis, the defender. And the man, I don't 
know if you guys are familiar with Street Fighter, but it was an all-you-get move. Now, if you're a video game guy, early 90s, video game guy, Street Fighter was a game that they had a move, you do an uppercut and the guy goes flying across the screen. This is exactly what the guy from Memphis did. He flew from the elbow to the low post. This is, <laughs> this is probably, you probably couldn't do this if you tried to do this. Like, this man, is, I, I don't know what got in his mind, but the referees, they took the bait, called a foul. This was also in the first half. Called a foul on Bone, gave him his second foul, sent him to the bench. So we were, we were without our point guard for the rest of the first half. This continued to happen. Grant Williams got called for offensive foul. Coming down, Grant Williams was initiating the offense, coming across half court. The guy was riding him on the side of his hip. Grant sped up a little bit, and the guy fell. After the guy fell, the ref blew the whistle to call a charge. Grant momentum took him about to the three-point line, where another Memphis guy had jumped in front of him and fell also when Grant wasn't even moving. He had already stopped. So this was a, a great example of flopping. Now let's get to Penny, and let me tie all this together. Penny, in the post-game conference with the media, he accused UT players of running, running over and clearing the bench after a technical foul was called on Alex Lomax. Now let me let me build this up for you. It's a timeout on the floor. Tennessee is on Memphis's end of the floor in front of their bench. Timeout's called on the floor. Jordan Bone is proceeding to walk to his bench. The other, the other four UT players have already, they've already went on to their bench. They're probably about, let's say, two feet from their bench while Lomax is blocking Jordan Bones. His, 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 he can't proceed to his bench because Lomax is standing in the way. So, the referees get involved. They start to give a tick to Lomax and Bone right away. So, mind you, it's in front of Memphis's bench, probably about five feet off the court. Memphis players come onto the court. Admiral Schofield, Grant Williams, and a couple other players see this. So, they turn around to go retrieve their teammate. Never leave a man alone. They go back. Jordan Bones walking away. Memphis players are, start clapping in the Tennessee players' face. Things are, you know, things are divided. Referees get in the middle, send the Tennessee players to their bench, Memphis guys to their bench. So this was probably about a minute left in the game. Texts were given out. Memphis received two texts. We shot two free throws. Got the ball back, ran the clock out, and the game was over. So we get to the post-game conference with the media, and Penny proceeds to tell them, accused, he accused UT players clearing the bench and running on the floor with their fists balled up, wanting to fight. <laughs> Mind you, the incident between Bone and Lomax happened right in front of Memphis's bench. So if you think guys were running to fight and not running to the aid of their teammate to make sure he was okay, you're a fool. Now, I wouldn't expect this from Penny Hardaway, and I had a lot of respect for Penny Hardaway as a player, but that's why I'm thinking, is was it was it an ulterior motive in this? Was Penny just trying to build up the rivalry? Like, if this was me, let me, let me, let me take, let me take, let me, let me, let me give you something. If this was me in my time at UT playing with the guys I had on my team, he might have had something. He might have had something. We probably would have been coming off the bench with our fists balled up trying to fight, because we did fight in the Memphis game when we played them. It happened on the court, and it led all the way into the tunnel. So he, he might have been right. Maybe he saw that tape, and it was in the back of his mind. He just thought he should mention it. But that's neither here nor there. These are a totally different group of guys, led by a totally different guy in Coach Rick Barnes, and a co totally different staff. All of these guys, especially Coach Barnes, are well-mannered men. They have morals. They expect their kids to act a certain way. And when I say the kids, the young men on their team. And they hold them accountable. So those kids, those, those young men aren't foolish enough to clear the bench, run down there with their fist ball, asking Memphis to fight. That's just ludicrous. Second, if the benches were cleared, if Tennessee bench cleared and ran down there to fight Memphis, don't you think referees would have given out texts and ejected people from the game? That's one thing you can't do in NBA, college, high school, peewee. You can't clear the bench. You just can't do it. Every 
since the Malice in the Palace, which Penny made this seem like this was what it was. Malice in the Palace was the Detroit Pistons versus the Indiana Pacers, and they ended up going getting the fighting in the game, carried over into the stands, and it was a big melee. So, with that being said, it's no way they're going to stand for that in a nationally televised game, in a rivalry, knowing how nasty it was going to be. So, Penny's lying. I'm just going to flat out say it. Penny's lying. And I know you might think I'm spending a lot of time on this, but I told y'all then, man, it was serious. Like, we don't like Memphis. Memphis don't like us. It's just what it is. To go on to what he was saying, Schofield was in the game and came back to retrieve his teammate. And Penny was, quote, unquote, saying, balls all ran over to fight. Penny, man, listen here, brother. What you need to do, you need to get a new strength coach, a new weight program, or something. Because your staff is great. Sam Mitchell, I know he's a dog. Mike Miller, I know he's a dog. Got them guys get it done. They've all played on a high level. NBA basketball, great in college. You yourself were great in college and great in the NBA to injuries. Man, you know how this game go, man. It's a rivalry. Penny, that, that, for you to call Coach Barnes his comments low class, that's crazy. I don't think this man here is, Coach Barnes is not a knock on you. Coach Barnes got to be almost 70 years old, man. You think this man out here trying to get stripes or win a recruiting battle by saying something negative to one of your players? You're a fool, Penny. Now, you, on the other hand, you need these things. You need these things to build up the recruiting for you. Memphis is an upcoming program. You're trying to get it rekindled. You've done a great job of getting the city behind you. But this ain't the way to do it right here with Tennessee. I'm going to be honest. Because what you have done, you've ignited something for next year. Don't forget, this is a this is a three a three a three year deal. Play y'all in Memphis. Next year is on Rocket Top. Now y'all y'all might come up and get beat by forty. I know y'all got James Wiseman. I know he coming in next year. Y'all got a nice class. Boy, that ain't gonna do nothing. That ain't gonna do nothing when you coming on Rocket Top and you got them horses rolling. Cause lo and behold, we got a good class coming in too, buddy. So everything you writing, you might be able to cash, but your players ain't gonna be able to cash. So anytime Penny comes to Rocket Top, we're gonna start the Monica. I'm gonna get shirts made. Come on, Penny. Come on, Penny. And that man stands for anything. Come on with it, Penny. Or come on, Penny, about your accusations, man. You stop that. Jason, get us out of here, man. We got to pay some bills, man. This is the Boom Boom Room. You live with Ron Slay. This is brought to you by Full Service Insurance. Good friends, Johnny Pratt and Paul Pratt Jr. Come back in a minute. I know it was a lot to unpack right there, but be right back. It's the Boom Boom Room. Hey there, it's your smartphone. I know I'm pretty and you like to look at me, but studies show that you take your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds while you're checking me out. That's like forever when you're driving. And it's just enough time to get into a nasty accident. So do us all a favor when you're out there on the road. Put it away. Grange Insurance and Full Service Insurance remind you to stay safe. Put it away. A message from your local Grange Independent Agent. Full Service Insurance, 615-790-0990. Welcome back, people. You're right here in the Boom Boom Room. I know the Boom Boom Room was on fire right there in the first segment. Talking about the UT Memphis rivalry news. And to, to all my Memphis guys out there, the Mingo Johnsons, the David Vons, um, Scooter McFadden, Chris Douglas Roberts, Derrick Rose, my brother Rodney Carter who played for Memphis. Listen, man, y'all got a lot more pride than what Penn is presenting. So I'm just leave that right there in the first second. You're back right here in the Boom Boom Room with Ron Slay, VFL. The Boom Boom Room is brought to you by Full Service Insurance. Get over there and see them good people, man. Johnny Pratt, Paul Pratt Jr., some good people. Thank you for the sponsorships, my brothers. Right here, let's dive into the UT staff 
UT Samford game. Um, this was a good game, especially coming off the heated heated rivalry with Memphis. Um, a very good game for guys to get healthy. We got a couple nagging injuries, um, but Fulkerson didn't get to play this game. I think there might be a little nagging injury that he had to set him out. Lamonte Turner still isn't back yet. But with the guys that we had, UT ended up winning 83 to 70. Controlled the tempo of the game. Didn't shoot too well from three. Didn't shoot well from three at all. Now, mind you, you got exams going on, things of that nature. So trying to get back in the groove, getting off the road. We shot a, a dismal five for 14 from three, 35.7%. Sanford shot seven for 23, so they didn't shoot too well either, 30% for the game. Total field goal percentage was 58%, which was better for us, So meaning we went down low and got our work done um, within 15 feet. Sanford was 36.5%, shot 23 for 63 on the game. Got more attempts up, but just didn't get enough make. The free throws, free throw line, we didn't shoot well from the free throw line either, 12 for 20. We're normally a 75, 80% shoot, shooting free throw team. Especially in the big games, we ended up shooting 60%. Sanford did a better job at 77%, 17 for 22. The rebounds, Sanford won that, uh, 39 to 36. Had a 7-footer down low, man, that could really do some work. I was really impressed with the guy. I believe it was from Spain, a European guy from Spain. It was about 7 foot. Used his left and right hand good, controlled the boards. Good look for Sanford. I expect some some big things out of them going forward on the SOCON conference. Assists, we had 22 assists, thir- to 13 assists for Sanford. That's really been our calling card all year. The assist total. Um, we a lot of our field goals aren't when guys are breaking down one on one. It's usually a pass and, and going straight into a shot or throughout the offense, getting to getting to our spots and getting guys where they're where they're used to being and where they practice on making the shots. And I, I think we did a great job as we've done all year with that. We had seven steals. They had seven steals. We um Kyle Alexander and the guys down low were air traffic control. We had four blocks. They had two blocks. And we did better um with the turnovers. We only had nine turnovers. That's coming off. A 18 turnover game against Memphis, so cut that in half. And I think in any game, if you can keep it under 10 turnovers, you got some, got some going that day. Um, Sanford had 12, so we pretty much handled business like we were supposed to. I think it was a not a breakout game because Jordan Bone has had some some really good games defensively and offensively, um, separate, but not a whole 40 minute game. I think he really put a he really put a show together against Sanford. He finished with 24 points and 11 assists. A nice, nice. Double double, a career high, I believe, in both in assists and points. We had four guys finishing double figures. Um, Schofield was one. Admiral Schofield finished with eighteen and seven. Grant Williams finished with sixteen and five. Kyle Alexander had ten points and five rebounds. Eve Pons also had nine point. I mean, nine rebounds and four points. But those four points, whew, they were emphatic. Uh, some 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 very nice dunks. Some baseline dunks. One on a lob. Man, the man is a high flyer. Um, Derek Walker came off the bench with five points, so he's still getting his feet wet, getting acclimated, and hopefully he'll be able to give us some extra minutes going into the SEC part of the season. That is Derek Walker, that is, Derek Walker Jr. So, we'll definitely need his big body, you know, and it's a little different in SEC play than it is in pre-conference, but um, his experience will will help with him being a sophomore. As for Samford, they had four guys in double figures. The big seven-footer that I was speaking of, Guerrero, Guerrero, however you say it, I'm, I'm not just so slight with the Spanish tongue. He had 16 and 8. Um, Gordon off the bench had 12, and their, their premier guy, Sharky, who's their point guard, who should, I, I believe, should be up for SOCOM player of the year. Finished with 10 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists. Now, this guy's only about 5'10", 5'11", and he's down there getting with the big boys, with the trees, getting the rebounds, and getting out, pushing the break, getting guys, and he could have shot the ball a lot more, but he showed a lot of control and getting guys involved and, you know, uh, picking his spots during the game. They also had another kid, Nolan, come off the bench and give 13 points. The biggest take from this game, I would say, would be bone emerge. Um, starting 
really, to me, starting to really create angles on offense, on drives, um, as far as his jumper, you know, using his pump fake better. And I, I think that all comes from him getting confidence. He wasn't shooting the ball too well, three early in the season. But he, I think that's what Scott Padgett's, his game plan was to let Jordan Bone shoot. And Bone knocked those threes down early. Knocked two threes down early when it was it, it was in the clutch moments and the offense was kind of puttering a little bit and they were packing it in. He knocked that, in, knocked that down and got things to open up, started to use his pump fake, started to get to the lane, finishing in the lane, and then started looking for other guys, getting them involved, as he does the majority of the time. But him being aggressive offensively, I think that was a good sign that um, there's some good things to come. And when his number is called, and he's usually doing the calling, um, that he'll be there. He'll be there to answer. I think Coach Barnes gets on him probably the hardest. He probably has the toughest time out of out of all the players, you know, as far as taking the criticism, and it's constructive criticism, but taking it and translating it to the game, making it an easier job for not only the players on the floor, but the coaching staff too. He has a lot on his shoulders, and, and he lives up to it, I'm going to be honest. But I'm just, I'm really excited to see his offensive output as far as him scoring. The assists, I know he can always do that because it's speed, getting by guys, getting other guys involved. He's always been doing that, but him really figuring out the angles on the court, his spots, being able to get to his spots, his drives, his finishing in the paint. That's pretty good for a guy 6'1", 6'2", leading your team, leading the number three team in the nation. Really controlling things 15 feet and in. I think that was one of the best things we did when we saw the three ball wasn't falling. We didn't fall in love with three and try to keep it going. Try to like, we're going to catch fire because that could have ended in um, a disastrous ending, <laughs> honestly. But guys guys got back to what they do. Start feeding the ball down low. Admiral got his um, 17 to 18 foot shot going. Um, his pull up was working really nice. Uh, we continue to rely on our defense also. I think that is really, really becoming, it's already been a staple, but I really, I think with, with us moving up in the rankings and people seeing Grant Williams averaging 19, Admiral Schofield averaging 19, you know, guys guys really putting the ball in the hole. I think sometimes we forget because it's been late game situations that we've depended on the offense to get us out of jams. But what we don't realize is that on the defensive end, we're getting the stops and getting out and running. And we are a great team in transition, transition getting steals, um, pitching the ball up the floor off of defensive rebounds and keeping the tempo up in our favor. And once it's slowed down, of course we can get buckets. We always got a horse down low we can go to and he's a, a willing passer also. So that double team doesn't come. He's going to score. But if it does come, he's definitely going to find an open guy. Um, post-game post game, uh, conference with Jordan Bone, he was quoted as saying he was being aggressive, attacking the elbows. Feels like he's dangerous when getting to those spots. And I totally agree with him. I think with Jordan being assertive like he is, that opens up so much more for the offense. It opens up more catch, catch and finishes for Kyle Alexander, um, Grant Williams, you can't double down on him. Jordan Bowden coming off the bench shooting. And even Eves getting some easy slashing buckets, some backdoor cuts, um, getting some easy dunks, getting to the free throw line. And with him being aggressive also, you know you got the paint. The paint comp is, is real compact in there. So we have some great athletes. So that's giving us a great opportunity to get offensive rebounds and get easy points of that night in, in that way. And with teams not boxing out and not being able to box out, that's getting fouls on them. So we get to go to the line. Even though we only, we only shot 20 free throws, um, it's still it's still not that that doesn't tell it tell really how much we control the paint and how much Jordan Bone opened up things for us. So I, I, it was a, early in the game. It was 41-32 at the end of the first half, um, and we we continued on with that onslaught of with 42 points in the second half. I think that towards the end of games, if you're not watching the game, the game can get kind of lost in translation when you see the final score, not knowing how the tempo of the game went. Like, like that game was well in hand. It was one by 13, but it was more like a 20 point win. But I believe Sanford took some out of it. I expect to see some good things out of them in the SoCon. Like I said before, but um, UT, I think we, we, we gained some. We gained some guys getting healthy. 
Fulkerson got the rest. Hopefully, Lamonte Turner got the rest a little bit more, and he's going to be able to bounce back and help us in SEC play. And it's some some big things on the horizon for us. Some big things on the horizon for us. I think with us being in this top five and taking that target on our back, we're not taking anybody for granted. And I think that's an easy thing to do with a team that's been ranked as high as they are right now. Um, that, that, That comes from learning things from last year. You know, with losing to a Villanova last year and also coming back and playing a Purdue tough in there. Like, it was some it was some matchups, man, that this year, I don't think the outcome is the same if we didn't go through those trials and tribulations that we went through last year. So, uh, salute to Coach Barnes and his staff, man. They've done a great job preparing these guys and being able to take it one game at a time. And once they get that big win, putting that putting that on the back burner and focusing on the next, next game at hand. Because Sanford is a team that honestly could slip up and beat some guys. We're really not even slip up, can flat out beat some guys. They got a seven-footer down low that's really good, and they got a point guard. Now, me, personally, I think that if you got a point guard and you got a shooter, man, you got some a point guard, a shooter, and a big man, got something special. And they definitely have a point guard, and they have a shooter in a point guard, and they also have a seven-footer down low. So that that's some tough things to tangle with, man, and, and we did a great job of that. Um, Kyle Alexander was a good take from this game, um, him getting 10 points. So he's, he's almost cracking double figures, almost cracking double figures every game. But I think him knowing his role, controlling the paint, showing that we can go up against a seven-footer and hold our own. Grant Williams did a great job of staying out of foul trouble this game. Um, and still was aggressive as he was. The other thing that I take from this game, besides Bone emerging um, offensively, is man, SEC gonna be in trouble if Grant. I mean, if Admiral Schofield keeps rolling like this. Like the point that we see Admiral at this year, this is where he left off at last year in the NCAA tournament, in the SEC tournament. Like when he got things rolling. Right now, it's Honestly, it's a coin toss between him and Grant Williams as far as SEC player of the year. Like, man, Grant's averaging 19.8. Admiral's averaging 19.1. And, man, it, the tandem is, is amazing. Like, you really don't know wh- wh- who to take. Like, do you deny Admiral the ball? Do you double Grant when he gets the ball? You don't know, especially with a guy like Bone coming and getting 24. Like, those are the guys that are going to feed off of it. But, man, it's a shout-out and a testament to hard work because Admiral, man, if you've ever been up to UT in the summertime or able to catch a practice and this young man stays after practice he's there before practice he's there late night getting shots up man and you can really see it now last year i thought maybe he got hot <laughs> you know what i'm saying he was shooting the three ball well um his pull up every now and then was pretty good but his catch and shoot and then his finishes around the rim were very impressive but i thought that was maybe because you know it was towards the end of the season and he had caught he had caught fire a little bit being honest now would have been midway through the season getting ready to go into sec play and he's already ramped it up to where he was last season if not better i can see the hard work i can see the hard work and i think early on he was pressing a little bit maybe with his three ball because you know he went to the nba um um, um drafts not the nba draft the nba combines and a couple of workouts and got evaluated by some nba guys so you don't really know what to take from that you don't know if he's trying to play to, to what they evaluated him on like man we want to see you shoot the nba three or this or that but he's really come back and bought into steel the team concept and it's all about getting the team better so with that i salute him i salute our um jordan bone great game um keep leading in that way young fella 24 and 11 that's big time on any level high school college pros whatever um grant williams keep continuing to be that rock Kyle alexander did the same thing air traffic control east ponds doing great in the starting lineup jordan bowden perfect for you coming off the bench being that that igniter being that lighter that lighter that that, that spark that we need um lamonte turn to get help healthy focus and get healthy 
Man, it's a big game leading up Saturday against Wake Forest. And when we come back right here in the Boom Boom Room, um, we'll we'll touch on the Wake Forest match, matchup that's going to be Saturday. ACC versus SEC uh, matchup, and it's, it's going to be a lot, a lot. There's a lot of things to unpack in that also. You're right here in the Boom Boom Room with Ron Slate, VFL. Brought to you by good people over at Full Service Insurance. We'll be right back. In sports, free agents are free to find a team that offers the best deal. That's why Grange only sells their coverages through independent insurance agents. They're free to find the best team to protect your auto, home, or business. Full Service Insurance considers Grange their go-to company for their combination of great value and outstanding claim service. Call Full Service Insurance at 615-790-0990. Their website at info at fullserviceins.com. Full Service Insurance, 903 Murfreesboro Road in Franklin, Tennessee. Welcome back, people. You're back in the Boom Boom Room with Ron Slay. We're talking UT basketball. We're talking about the rivalries. Now we're leading over into the big matchup, an ACC matchup that we have against Wake Forest coming up Saturday at noon Eastern time, 11 Central. Big matchup for us. There's a lot of history with those guys uh, in Wake Forest that we're going to play the Demon Deacon. Let's do the, the tail of the tape. Let's get a little bit of this out the way. Points per game. UT's averaging 84.7. Wake Forest averaging 75.2. Points points against. We're giving up 68. We being UT. And Wake Forest is giving up 72. Field goal percentage. We're shooting right at about 50%. Wake Forest is shooting 44.8%. Rebounds per game. 37.9 for Wake Forest. We are 41.4. Really controlling the paint. Assists per game. Like I said before in the first segment. 21.2 is our assist. We're hovering around 21 22 a game, which is which is pretty good. And now I'm gonna check that for next year, next next week's episode. I think we ought to be about top five in the nation in assists, um, leading the field goals. That, that's that's pretty good. Wake Forest is giving um averaging 11.8 assists. Blocks, we had a nice 5.8 blocks a game. Wake Forest is at three. Uh, let's see, at steals 5.6 for UT and five steals for Wake Forest. Now, for me personally, this game holds a lot of weight, and I'm hoping, as you all know, I'm over coaching at Innsworth uh, with the varsity basketball team. We got a game tonight down in Haywood County. But I say all that to say, Coach Bowers, if you're listening, give us off tomorrow. We need off. So I can ride up here to Knoxville and see a friend of mine that's on the Wake Forest coaching staff, Randolph Children, man. A great guy, a great guy I learned the game from, a great point guard, played with Tim Duncan at Wake Forest, was known for being in the ACC tournament, crossing Jeff McGinnis up and pointing at him and telling him, waving his finger, telling him to come here and then hitting the three ball. That, That was a a ACC moment, an NCAA moment that should be locked in time. But his son, the reason I bring all this up and tie this all together for him, his son, Brandon Childress, is the point guard who's a junior for Wake Forest. And he's leading them in scoring right now. He's averaging right at 16.8 points per game, shooting 49% from three. So the jeans and the apple didn't fall too far from the tree on this. Brandon, he can really play, man. And um, I- I'm glad to see his maturation. I remember seeing him at six, seven years old. I'm showing my age a little bit, but seeing him six, seven years old at over there in Italy with us when he would come over there and visit his dad playing around with us and it's great to see a kid like that man that, that's going on and following his father's footsteps but also setting his own leg um, as far as the leaders the st- statistical leaders as far as points per game rebounds and assists they have Brandon Childress like I said at 16.8 points per game he's also leading them in assists with 4.3 assists per game um, Horde is off the bench oh no he started
starting, I'm sorry. Hoard is starting and leading them with 7.4 rebounds a game, but he's averaging 15.6 points. On our, on the other hand, for UT Vols, Grant Williams is averaging 19.4 points, but this is the key part. He's averaging 4.4 assists. That's a big, pretty tough as a front court player. Grant Williams is also averaging 8.3 rebounds, leading us in rebounds. Bone is leading us in assists with 6.3 assists a game, and thir- he's averaging 13.7 points per game. So it's a good balance right there you got. And not to be left out, Admiral Schofield is averaging 19.0 points a game. So you got Grant Williams at 19.4, the returning SEC player of the year. Then you got Admiral Schofield uh, backing him up with 19 points per game. So it's, it's, it's really, really, really boding well for us getting ready to go in the SEC play. But focusing on Wake, Wake Forest, Wake Forest, they have three guys in double figure um, scoring your game. Um, they have eight guys in double digit minutes per game. So they're using their bench. Um, seven of those guys are playing 20 minutes per game or more. And one um, one guy is right there teetering on the line of getting uh, in those double digit minutes. Also, this is a young, young squad that Wake Forest has. This is a very young team. Um, I want to say they start two freshmen, a sophomore. Uh, no, two freshmen, two sophomores, and one junior, Brandon Childers being a junior. Now, it's another connection in this game. The kid, Jalen Horder, who leads them in rebounds, he's from France. He's a freshman. He is from France. So, I wonder, do him and Eve's pawns know each other? Are they familiar with each other's game? I know Eve's is a sophomore, but usually when you're in the basketball world, that's a small world, especially when you're coming from a foreign country. Um, it's really a small world. So, I wonder, do they know each other, and how will Eve's react to that? I wonder, will Rick Barnes put him on? Put him on Jalen Horde and see what kind of matchup that'll be. On the opposite side, we have eight guys in double-figure minutes, four guys in double-figure points as far as UT, with Bowden and Alexander knocking on the door of double-figure, uh, both averaging nine um, and, and right there on the edge. We have six guys also shooting over 70% from the line, which is big. Like I told you before, like our free throws, Grant Williams draws a lot of fouls, so we're usually in the bonus early. That leads to a lot of things for us, a lot of good things for us at the foul line, um, getting in that bonus early in the first and second half. Um, the only knock to this is Eves Ponds is shooting 12% for the line. So Eves, son, you got to get in that gym. You got to get in that gym, <laughs> shoot free throws, man. But um, his learning curve, man, is, is humongous and sees great things. We want to salute him for working hard. But we got to get them free throws involved, man, especially you're going to be in the game in late game situations, um, leading in the SEC play, not knowing if Lamonte Turner is going to get back yet. Um, so we, we need you to knock those free throws down, my brother. That's the tale of the tape for the UT versus Wake Forest game. Tomorrow, Saturday, noon Eastern, that's the tip-off, 11 Central. Hopefully I'll be in the building for this game. Um, be able to spread some volunteer love before the holidays. That is the quick tell of the tape. I got a couple shout-outs for this last segment, and I also got a couple things I want to touch on. But we're going to pay some bills real quick. We're going to do it real quick. And then Boom Boom Room is brought to you by Full Service Insurance. Make sure you come right back. We got a little bit more to dive into in the Boom Boom Room. This is Ron Slade, BFL. A complete, detailed scouting report from an expert can be the key to victory. That's just what great independent insurance agents deliver. They scout insurance companies for you and recommend winners like Grange. Let Full Service Insurance show you how Grange's strong value and fast claim service delivers league-leading coverage. Call Full Service Insurance at 615-790-0990 or visit their website at info at fullserviceins.com. Full Service Insurance, 903 Murfreesboro Road, Franklin, Tennessee. The last segment of the Boom Boom Room. Welcome back. I am Ron Slade, your BFL, your host to the Boom Boom Room, your, your, your VIP coordinator in the Boom Boom Room. Uh, 
the bartender in the boom boom room, the bouncer in the boom boom room, um, the membership giver of the boom boom room, the creator of the boom boom room. Boom boom room is brought to you by Full Service Insurance, man. Thank you for joining us each Friday from five to six. Um, we'll be back next Friday too. But right now, the last segment, I got a couple things I want to dive into. Had those games we had to cover, so we're gonna get through this kind of quickly. What I want to touch on first with Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield playing the way they are, it kind of brings mind like who are some of the best duos out there? You know, with them being the Tennessee, you don't want to put them in the Ernie and Bernie category. That being Ernie Grunfield and Bernard King, you know, but they are holding their own and leaving a legacy that's going to be hard to beat, you know, so that gets me to thinking. My top five duos in college basketball in no particular order. First, I'm going to go with Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield, Tennessee, number three ranked team in the nation. Grant Williams is averaging 19 points and eight rebounds. Admiral Schofield is averaging 19 points per game and about six rebounds. Another another duo, Hachimura and Brandon Clark from Gonzaga. There's some tough guys to handle. They are the number number eight ranked team and with number one when we knocked them off. Hachimura is averaging 21.6 points per game, 6.8 rebounds a game. Brandon Clark is averaging 16.8 points per game and 8.2 rebounds per game. Now, you can also, you basketball lovers, can throw Norvell Jr. in there who's averaging 17.2 and 5 rebounds a game. So, they got a mixture. They really got a big three. They really got a big four. But, we're keeping this to duos. So, for their duo, I'm picking Hachimura and Brandon Clark. Another duo who ended up getting knocked off by North Carolina the state the other night. Man, that was kind of crazy. At North Carolina State, the Wolfpack got them. It's the Auburn Tigers. Bryce Brown and Jared Harper. Those guys are pretty tough, man. They pretty tough. Both of them averaging at 15.5 and 15.7 respectively in the league, uh, in, in pre-conference play. Think they're going to be a problem. That's one thing. Anytime you game playing about Auburn, better know what Brown is and you know what, you better know what Harper is. Interchangeable for number three. With, um, at, in the third slot would be Cam Johnson. Cameron Johnson from North Carolina and Luke May. Cameron Johnson is averaging 16.6 points per game. Luke May is averaging 14 and 10. Preseason All-American guy. UNC is also ranked number nine. Another group, another duo I really like. Dedrick Lawson and Legero Vic. Pretty dangerous. They are playing for the number one team in the nation. That's the Kansas Jayhawks. Dedrick Lawson from Memphis is averaging 19.7 points per game and 11.1 rebounds. Legero Vic is averaging 17.1. And the blockbuster group, the group that sells a lot of tickets. Can't leave them off the list. I, I would be hating if I did. R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson. Playing for the number two ranked Duke, who got a big win over Texas Tech. Texas Tech last night at Madison Square Garden. R.J. Barrett is averaging 24.5 and 7 rebounds. And Zion Williamson is averaging 20.1 points per game and 9 rebounds. My honorable mention, who I can't go without mentioning, is Caleb Martin and Jordan Caroline at Nevada, ranked number six. Caleb Martin, Oak Hill, alum, salute. 18.8 points per game and 5.2 rebounds. Jordan Caroline is averaging 18.8 points and 10.1 rebounds. So, there are some duos in college basketball that can really, really get it done. And I challenge you, I challenge you next week to call in and tell me what your duo is. And we'll break this down to a top three. And if I had to go with my top three right now, it would be Grant Williams and Schofield, Dedrick Lawson and LeGero Vick, and... That third one. I'm going to have to go with Hachimura and Brandon Clark. And what you should notice in all of this is when you have duos, you might know of some duos out there that are doing pretty good, but one thing they're not going to get on my list, they're not going to get on my list if they're not winning. And all of these teams are ranked in the top 10 that I named these duos. You got Tennessee at number three. You also got Hachimura and Brandon Clark for Gonzaga at number eight, who are the number one team in the nation. Then you got Dedrick Lawson and Legero Vic for the number one Kansas. Now, I know a lot of you guys do 
fans and things of that nature are going to be like, ah, you hating on R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson. No, I'm really not. I just don't respect them yet because they're freshmen. They're new to the game. I got to see what they do under the limelight. I know what these guys are going to bring. So that's what I'm rolling with. You know, I'm going to show a little bias, if you will, to the seniors, you know, if, if they've been there before. So I challenge you all next week to call in with, with your three, your top five duos, 615-794-1950. You call in. Let me know what your duos are, and we'll pick this conversation back up. I want to give a little love because I've been hard on them to Vanderbilt. They had a big win over Arizona State, ranked 18th at the time, a very impressive win, 81-65, to with Darius Garland being out the lineup. I, I said in the beginning that Saban Lee kid is a problem, and how was he going to take the reins back over for that team? Was he going Was he going to buy back into the system or since Darius was gone? And it looks like he did. Finished with 14 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists in 29 minutes. Five guys in double figures with one more knocking on the door with 9 points in that game in that big win against Arizona State. But I ain't going to give them too much love. That's Vanderbilt. You know, this is all ball over here, baby. All ball over here. So with it being all ball, and I haven't done this yet, in the Boom Boom Room, we got we to gotta welcome a couple women into the Boom Boom Room. So my lady Vols, I want to give y'all some love. Samika Hosclaw, shout out. Tamika Ketchins, uh, uh, Samika Randall, Tasha Butts, Ashley Robinson, Shalom Pillows, Michelle Snow, Ace Clement. Man, the list go on and on, man. Kyra Elza, they'll get mad if I don't mention their name. I got to mention my girls. Um, Holly Warlick doing a great job. They are ranked in the top 25. They were ranked ninth before a heart heartbreaking loss against Stanford in Rocky Top. They lost 95 to 85. The, the young lady from Stanford, Carrington, caught fire and shot outstanding. She finished with 33 points and 13 rebounds. 11 or 15 from the field, 4 for 5 threes. Um, Tennessee, they held their own, but we were a little off. Avina Westbrook finished with 29 points and 10 assists. Uh, Davis finished with 14 and 10. Mimi Jackson, she had 17, but it was a rough 17. She was 4 for 14 from the field and 3 for 13 three. The upcoming games for the Lady Vols, if you want to stay in tune with them also, because we got love for our Lady Vols, it's VFL and LVFL all day, every day. They got upcoming games versus ETSU at home on December 21st. Murray State at home December 28th. Belmont at home December 30th before opening up SEC play versus Auburn on the road January 3rd. So make sure you get some love out there for our Lady Vols. It's always love. Holly, Bebe, um, oh, Bridget Gordon. Um, I'm, I'm going to forget I'm get a lot, man. I'm, I'm trying to pack them in, man. But they, they know I got nothing but love about the Secretary Miss Janet. Two Miss Janets. It's Secretary Miss Janet in men's basketball and in women's basketball. So plenty of love to my Lady Vols, man. And I'm going to get soon to come a Lady all on the show. Now, to end this thing, to end this segment of the Boom Boom Room, brought to you by Full Service Insurance, I want to talk about, it was a clip on social media that came out with LeBron talking to his son about his performance after a game. And let me just say, let me read the quote first. Let me read the quote first. This is LeBron to his son. The son was a little demoralized after the game of being hard on himself. So LeBron pulls him to the side, sits him down and tells him, quote, you made three of the biggest plays of the game. You get you get two down on yourself for no reason. One, you got the offensive rebound and got the tip Two, you made an outlet pass to Owen when he got the end one. And three, then you made the last swing pass to him for the game winner. So if you miss a shot or making shots, don't worry about it, kid. You played a hell of a game. Good job. I'm proud of you. All right, go with your team. Bye. Unquote.
quote. This is LeBron James talking to his son. Arguably one of the greatest players to play the game. Definitely top two players in the game right now in the world. And I bring this up to say, it's a lot to unpack in this, but I'm going to take it layer by layer. I bring this up to say to you, kids that are playing the game of basketball today, it's not always about scoring. It's not always about leading your team with the most points because you get to see that it's other facets of the game that you must work on and that can lead to you being victorious. Now, the overall thing is winning. You got to win. And when you win, you bring the spotlight to your team. With that spotlight brings other doors that open up. So don't always be selfish and be about yourself and think you always got to have the points to make an impact on the game. You just heard the greatest player on earth right now telling his son, man, you just assisted on one. You just got an offensive rebound that led to a tip-in. You just made an outlet pass that led to a swing pass that made the game-winning shot. Like, dude, there's so much more to the game. Now, one more thing. I want to salute all of the the fathers out there because we always, and mothers, trust me, I'm from a single mother home. Love my mothers. I love the women that raise their kids. That is beautiful. Salute to you. But right now, in the Boom Boom Room, we're going to show a little love to the father because in this, you got to see a father talk to his son, which never really gets highlighted or spotlight put on it. And most importantly, a black father doing this. So, salute to all the white fathers, black fathers, Hispanic, uh, Asian, blue, green, yellow, red, alien fathers, whoever you are out there. Hey, man, we're going to shine a light on you guys, man, because that's big time, man. That's big time. Like, you never imagine this brother's schedule. Probably got endorsements, um, got a train coming off a finals appearance. Um, MVP, got to keep his body in shape to take time and to be able to spotlight a, a father going and talking and taking time out of his, his schedule to talk to kids. His son in particular is really an amazing point, and I think it should be noted. So salute to all the fathers taking time out to be there and raise their kids in meaningful moments and also everyday life. I'm a father myself, and I try to do the exact same thing. I got friends that are fathers, Marcus Green, Phil Goss, Jason Rowe. Uh, man, the list goes on and on, man. People right here in the inner city. I just got on the phone with Quanta Cash a little earlier. Man, there's some fathers doing the right thing. They should be highlighted. Salute to you. Live from the Boom Boom Room. This is Ron Slay, VFL legend. Folks, I'm over and out, man. I'll see y'all next week, 5 to 6, every Friday. We out.